from Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Action. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. We are glad to have you here. I was letting the, uh, the precursor, all the uh, frivolous all of that yeah. action My clap um, have uh, have its moment so anyway thanks for joining us today as uh previously stated welcome to the bone cave we do have new bones in the cave i just want you to know um matt peterson of i think it's upper valley taxidermist is that the upper valley road upper valley matt peterson anyway doesn't matter he uh um did jonathan ankner and rory ankner's uh antelope and phenomenal job they look really good not many people would pass those two antelope up anywhere would they dude they're both amazing yeah. I, I i'm just like i'm blown away so get a hold of us if you're looking for a great antelope hunt and uh, i think rory's is cooler looking than because it's flared just, out just saying jonathan no big deal well that's because rory had never shot anything i think she shot it at 550 yards if i'm not mistaken with, with your little loner six creedmoor oh was that a six creedmoor just for you uh and then what did pop you? say is give me that gun <laughs> yeah well i they, they i think so so anyway but that gun's been since shot out and rebarreled and on its way and just killed a moose with the same caliber yeah but it was like at 42 yards right no, it was 588 shoot to. Oh, really? It was over 600 yards downhill uh, out of the alders. But anyway, we won't talk about that. But hey, welcome out. Those are the new bones at the Bone Cave. If you're ever in Spearfish, South Dakota, please stop by. We would be happy to have you. I'll give you a tour around. Uh, we have a gift waiting if you've never been here. Mention the podcast. Walk in, ask for Ben, Sophie, uh, Braden, Colton. Uh, uh, yeah, Colton. We have a Colter now. I just hired a Colter yesterday. So um, we have a Colton now. A Colter and we have a Colton and we have Eric, an Eric and a Bleep um, and they're all in here every day rocking and rolling building our company doing what they're supposed to but today we have the one and only Jeff Sipe or as his mother calls him Jeffrey she does she does yeah, <laughs> yeah. do you like Jeffrey, his sound Jeffrey, effects Jeffrey. Yep. clapboard background applause. oh that was pretty awesome yeah, yeah. Uh, he just yeah. welcomes you with uh, his effervescence I, I was waiting for the wave but it, <laughs> Um, oh, by the, I can add that. The, you can add that. <laughs> and and uh, I, the, by the way, just not to digress, but the Pat Stewart caliber is what I'm renaming it, the Six Creedmoor. <laughs> just so just so Pat knows when he's listening. Oh, that's funny. Week. Will's going to be like, how did the hell did Pat get a caliber named after him? Uh, because uh, you know uh, I like Pat. So anyway, that um, would be per that would be perfect for South Carolina. He's from South Carolina, uh, isn't North he? North Carolina, I think. One of the Carolinas. I think it's North Carolina. Coastal Carolina. Because I think Ankner and Jones, Al and Jonathan are from South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And, That's right. And, and, and Will and, and – and the only other reason I know is I just talked to Will two days ago because I put a pin in North Carolina oh. on where he's at on my map um, for 100 by 1,000. So, anyway, we're ready to rock. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. It's great to have you. We're going to have a great podcast today. We're going to talk about uh, bows and arrows and archery. Um, since oh. you're the most acclaimed <laughs> right up my alley yeah right that's up, perfect yeah. right up your alley and obviously uh we have uh, um organizer and uh extraordinaire brad dana i'm the organizer uh yes All right. uh, well not very good one but you are <laughs> of some of, of some style shape way or form <laughs> anyway and bleep to my left and Brian. Hello, hello. Welcome. Yeah, well, obviously my voice has uh, announced my presence. Right. Um, but uh, totally. anyway, but thanks. Yes, yeah. it's, good to, it's good to share the podcast table with you guys. And just so everybody knows, this is we're a little out of sync. It's a Friday morning, uh, and we're doing it, which normally we don't do podcasts on Friday, but we're going to rip this one out today because we have uh, Jeff Seip here. And because uh, um, you came to town to uh, train, develop, and take. That's right. <laughs> and the take part. And the take right. part. So anyway, but we're excited about that. So today's podcast, we're gonna, uh, it's going to be question answer for Sipe and then running commentary by Brad, Brian, and Bleep. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. 
Okay. It's going to be great. Deal. So first question today, what was your – all these years building, because how long have you been in the, uh, tell us a little bit, how long you've been in, give us a real quick bio again from you. Well, I, I have been in the industry as, um, officially in the industry for a little over 20 years. Um, my dad had started his first company back in 1991. So that was right in the middle of, uh, college for me. So I was in and out of his shop, um, you know, all all the time. So really getting more interested in, in the industry and more interested in, in building rifles uh, from the time I was in college uh, all the way through my stint in the Army and, uh, and then my, my early career after, after the military um, was in and out of his shop. And then that's really what drove me to go full-time into the industry. So uh, it's probably been, I mean, if you accumulate everything, it's probably close to 30 years. Wow. Well, favorite part? What's been your favorite part? Winning oh, NRA of the, uh, uh, rifle of the year 15 times. That, that was – well, the, the NRA gun of the year was probably the highlight um, just because it was such a, a big accumulation of – time spent in working on projects like that right it and not just not just building of the rifles but building the company up to that point where we could facilitate that because that's that's a huge award that's uh when you when you win that award it's that you know they they buy a lot of rifles from you so it was that the those. premier award that you've and you won that three times or something right? no that one i've won one the the friends of the nra gun of the year we we won that one time um i've i've, I've been part of a team that won the uh you know the golden bullseye award from american rifle magazine Um, and that's a huge award Uh, but there's there's a lot of them I mean the outdoor life magazine's best new rifle of the year uh, won that three times Uh, you won that one three times yeah and then uh, field and streams best of the best I've I've won that three times so that's that's um, those are all in themselves very honorable uh, awards to to win Um, it's 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 amazing the uh, relationships that I've developed because of those, um, but it, it's it's humbling. It, you know, it's um, I, I I can't say it any other way. It's just humbling when you win something like that. It's just like you know what the the work that you put in for people to say, hey, great job. So you you've know, taken all of those awards and all of that knowledge, care, skill, and judgment, knowledge, experience. And you've kept kept funneling that, and so now you have another company. Correct. And so all of that knowledge is formulated into this culmination. That's of, right. Of, of, That's of, right. Of this. Yep. And That's so every, cool. everything that that we are doing now is based on the experiences and and knowledge that I've learned over the last thirty years. It's it's to the point now where the rifles that we're building are what. Um, what I what I really think that our customers, our clients, are asking for it's it's the culminant, just like you said, it's the it's the tip of the spear of where we've we've gone to, we've grown to that point, and this is where where I see the next thing of what we need to accomplish is. So I know one of the things with um, Montana rifles that I loved is it was a rifleman's rifle, mm-hmm. it was a hunter's rifle. Yes. Um, and I know I'd ask you last night about the stock because you had your own stock, which I really like that stock, and uh, it wasn't. Tactical, correct. Um, and but at the same time, it was uh, a Western hunting rifle stock, and and it was light and it was tough, and uh, those rifles weren't heavy. No, no, the X because the X three was was designed to be like you know the 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 model nineteen ninety nine action was was a heavier action to begin with. It right. it had some more beef to it because it's control round feed, so it it had a little bit more meat to it and. Um, we didn't do carbon fiber barrels at Montana Rifle. We did all steel barrels. So having a heavier action and a little bit heavier steel barrel, um, we had to figure out ways to make it a light rifle. And so the X3 stock that we designed uh, was was that uh, answer. You know, we had an issue, we had a problem, and the answer was the X3 stock. And it took a lot of years to to come up with that. I mean, we knew what the the design wanted to be but how to build it we had no clue and and i uh i went to a really good friend of mine um 
and, and whose name happens to be Bob Cuthbertson. He used to own Lone Wolf Rifle Stocks. And Lone Wolf Rifle Stocks was uh, eventually, after I designed this, Lone Wolf Rifle Stocks was purchased by none other than Proof Research. And Proof Research took all of his uh, information to build all of their stocks and moved it into their company. So No way. Yep. Bob Cuthbertson is a really good friend of mine. I love that man to death. He was amazing. Him and his wife were incredible. Still to me. alive? I haven't talked to Bob. I, I would assume so. Bob Bob and his wife retired and moved to Florida. And he used to, when he first moved to Florida, he would call me about once a month. And all he would say is, I still haven't worn long pants. And then he'd hang up. And, <laughs> and, and he'd go, you know, every now and again, send me, you know, I, I went out fishing, haven't worn long pants. Especially in the haven't winter, Haven't worn right? shoes. Yeah, haven't worn shoes yet. And so he from Montana to Florida, from Montana, to Florida. And, and, and that man was amazing. I, I really do miss them. Um, but he and I um, went through a process of developing uh, a stock platform that that I wanted to use and how I wanted to build it. New new designs, new materials, uh, new and way then of am making I mistaken? Stocks. Am I mistaken? Not, not to digress this, but am I mistaken by saying that your son then ran that department? He did. Yeah, because I remember going in there. And you said, well, here's where the stocks get made. And I said, I love your stock. And this is why they're light. And this is what makes them strong. And this is our special sauce and our ingredients for mm -hmm. it. And he was standing in there. And he's like, oh, and by the way, yep. um, I, I, this is such an important department that my son runs it. That's right. My, my son, Cooper. I miss, he, love him to death. He's, he's uh, moved up to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, I, I tease all my kids. I tell my son, uh, I tell them all my kids that Cooper's now my favorite because he moved to Alaska and became a resident. So now dad gets to hunt as a resident. Second with him degree in Alaska. of kinship. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to get you that charter service too. So, yeah. Um, I keep forgetting. That's because I'm waiting for my invite yeah. or a, a blood um, uh, assessment that says I'm first of kin. Right. Yes. To Cooper. To Coop, yeah, I he's. I think I knew his awesome. mother. Maybe I am the dad. So, so Cooper, Cooper, uh, probably uh, not. You look just like he looks. A lot he like does look just like yeah. me. He's, uh, but he's made really smart kid, really driven. He, uh, he took that stock department on and learned how to make the stocks. He learned how to paint them. He learned how to finish them, and then he learned how to train all the other guys that we had in that division. He trained them all how to do their jobs, and and uh, yeah, he was incredible. He's and I, I think he still has all the the same equipment that we had. had. To make stocks, so I mean, he's he's thought about trying to figure out a way to to make build to, stocks. To build stocks and well, we need things. to have a conversation with. Him. I know. I know. <laughs> so, so you you said you didn't make any carbon fiber stocks. Carbon fiber stocks. I mean, that no company, barrels. No carbon fiber. Or, barrels. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I misspoke. Yeah. Um, that was that was not nearly as big when you were finishing no. up with that company. No. It was kind of on the as cusp of yeah. the, the, it was just the starting, revolutionary yeah. carbon fiber you know, sensation. And I was, that I was I one of those old school guys because we had had a barrel company for so many years that was just anti-carbon fiber barrels. I thought those were the worst things in the slide. Don't, that's terrible. Why would you use them? They fall apart. They break apart. Well, you know, there's been some some advances. There's been a lot of things that have changed in that realm. And and I still think there's, there's good carbon fiber barrels. And then there's what I would consider... Carbon fiber barrels. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. Carbon uh, fiber barrels. Yeah. Just, they're just just another carbon fiber barrel. It, yeah. I. You know the the differences between um, a good quality wrapped carbon fiber barrel versus a sleeved carbon fiber barrel. Uh, I'm I'm a very big proponent on on a good wrap. You know because I I truly believe it that they're stronger the way they're made. That's interesting. Um, your favorite rifle you have ever built. Well, interesting enough, and I'm not just trying to tout it, but the new LSR uh, is the culmination of what we just talked about, right? Okay. 30 years of, of building rifles, designing rifles, uh, working for other companies and, and uh, building rifles for other companies and, and seeing how other rifles are built. Uh, the LSR is uh, the rifle that I've wanted to build uh, very, very badly for the last, you know, or five years because of the components that are in it. No just, compromises. Just uh, right. I no get to build it the way I want. Yeah, right. This is okay. This is built for the yes ultimate of everything. Yes. And just yes. so that folks know, we haven't mentioned yet, but it's Badlands Rifle Company. Correct. LSR. Yes, the Badlands yep. Rifle Company LSR. So it, you know when when um, in the past um, when I was building and designing rifles. Uh, there were a lot of things that came into play. One was the weight. 
right? It, right. It, people are always complaining about it's too heavy, it's too heavy. And especially at Montana Rifle, just like what we were saying, Brian, it's uh, the weight of that action uh, had a lot of people say, well, I don't want that. It's too heavy for me. Right. And so then when you talk about weight, you have to decide on your barrel length uh, because the longer the barrel, the, the heavier the rifle's going to be. Right. And, and the balance. And the balance. And balance is a big deal. And so um, that that leads into the next uh, problem, which is uh, bullet velocity. Well, in, in back then, there's been a kind of a paradigm shift, too, because mm-hmm. back then carbon fiber barrels were in a were, – they were just this – I mean, they Correct. were just in their infancy, so Correct. to speak. Nobody – Hardly anybody, almost no one, was using a suppressor to hunt with. Oh yeah, no. And now I mean, still faux pas. Now we just we live with a shorter barrel and we Absolutely. carbon fiber almost all I don't the wanna, time. I don't want to hunt without a suppressor, right? I don't. I don't want to do it. So, so there's there's kind of been this paradigm shift in since when you stopped at that yep. point and now where you've come out with your new company. Correct. So there's some some major dramatic changes. Carbon fiber barrels, shorter barrel length, better balance point with the suppressor. Correct. Suppressors, you know, we're using a lot. What, what are five and a half, five and a half inch suppressors yeah. on those? I mean, so you've kind of you've kind of built this and tailor made it for the perfect uh, package to and carry, I, to balance, to shoot. And your exactly. son's Weight. ultimate. And your son's not building the stocks. However, no. the stocks that you're putting on these rifles are absolutely second to none. As far as range and hunting application, yes, that's correct. So um, I have I have an incredible friend named Tom Manners that is the owner of Manners Custom Rifle Stocks, and um, I have been working with Tom for probably six years now, and talking about uh, different designs, different styles, things that we see, things that they're being asked for, things that we want to see in our rifles. And uh, the culmination of all of that has kind of come down to this new stock design that that uh, he put out in his new PH action, the professional hunter action. And um, everything that is in that stock is everything that we've been talking about for the last probably four or five years. Um, and it's it's an easier stock for him to manufacture. It's incredibly light. It's incredibly strong. Um, and we can build it exactly how we want it. Well, there's so many nice things about that stock right. that enhance the shootability of the shooting system. Right. Um, yes. You know, the uh, the way the comb fits your cheek and uh, you don't get slapped in the face with the recoil. Yes. The vertical grip, the way the way it helps you uh, control the rifle's recoil. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, it's, it's nice and contoured at the – at the four end. So mm-hmm. yeah, if you want to ride on a bag, I don't usually do it, shoot off a bag, but I mean, it's designed for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, low contour, uh, pick rail stays out of your way. I mean, we just got done with, you know, I mean, I was in and out of a scabbard. Um, it doesn't grab on that. It, it's just, there are so many positives about that stock. Yeah. That, that make the whole system better. Correct. And, and really the design of the stock is uh, a culmination of, of shooting Academy, uh, thought process, right? I mean, when you're when you're going through these shooting academies, like when we first got this going, I shouldn't say we, but when you guys first got the shooting academies going years ago with none other than Chip Beeman, right? Um, everything that we learned about shooting from that from him was about you know your your hand placement on on a on the pistol grip, how it's set up and where your finger needs to be and where your thumb needs to be right. and the position of your hand. So the pistol grip is a big design feature that creates a better right. shooting platform well what's what's two of the biggest problems that we see not having a level gun and death grip in the correct the, that's exactly death right. grip Those was that guy things. on the plane that I, was I would say there's one bigger than that there's a lot of problems yeah no okay. no no i'm just i'm, I'm just yeah. from my observation right. the biggest thing i see going in is the death grip's important not a level gun but the, uh, the trigger pull people jerk the trigger absolutely and, and they're shotgun shooters and or they've never been uh, taught exactly where how to place the trigger and pull that trigger. And and so we see it. And the reason they have a death grip on it is because they're going to jerk the trigger. Well, that's well, and that's that's exactly what we're talking about. The, the pistol grip design 
uh, is is been designed yeah. to make your finger be in the right position to right. pull it. And if you just think about yeah. when you just think about the old style stocks, you everybody would grab them and right. they'd wrap their thumb around there. It was well, just natural. When you naturally grab your thumb around there, look at the angle of your your finger and wh- what direction does your finger pull? Your finger's pulling up and back. It's not pulling straight back. It's pulling up and back. So when you're grabbing that that rifle and you're you've got your thumb wrapped all the way around there and you're trying to pull that trigger you're not pulling it straight back right you're pulling it up and back which is creating more foot pounds you're not just pulling it straight back like it's designed right and so that's that's the whole thing yeah it's, that, it's that grip angle correct. seems to help with the trigger pull yes 100%. it helps it helps force you into proper procedure that's right that's and right. the other thing is the thumb i mean the the way that stock is fabricated it kind of is designed to not want – you don't need to feel like you have to do the death grip. That's right. There's a spot right built right for the your thumb. The thumb shelf. This Le- is okay, really, this is where the thumb This, this is, is where really the thumb is supposed to be, And you can see guys. how the stock is designed. Yeah. It actually has a, th- a yep. spot where your thumb goes. Yeah, and, so. and your thumb just wants to sit there. So yeah, it instantly. controls the trigger pull. Correct. That's it, right. it, it actually implements it. You know, yeah. It gives you the right form. Yes. Which is good because that's, to me, when we get guys on the line, the first thing we really see is that they're they're anticipating their shot, so they're jerking their trigger, and they're looking around their scope. Yes. And so we see that at 100 and 200. Not to go all the way back to the bases, but, you know, if you're listening to this, I think it's imperative if you go down and one day you have a group this big, which referencing about an inch and a half. And the next day you go down and go, I got a group this big. Usually at 100 yards, it, it comes down to breathing, keeping your cheek weld steady through the shot and not jerking the trigger. Correct. Just boom. Yep. And then long range, yes, canted barrels, oh, um, yanking, your, you know, too much pressure on the stock. There's a lot of that, you know, at four or 500 yards that becomes – but that's the power of your university. That's yes. the power of the schools that we started building six years ago with the none, uh, none other well, than Well, the other thing that I've Chippy. noticed is that kind of along those lines, people are anticipating getting slapped and smacked from right. the guns. Yeah. That stock helps so much in the felt recoil department and the, and the lack of getting beat on. And then we, you know, at those we run suppressed, and you've kind of got this – You've got this gun designed to run suppressed anyway. Okay, it's got that nice balance. I, I mm-hmm. like it that we're marketing the gun. Let's back up to uh, stay the course here. See, I'm 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 getting better, Blake. Squirrel. No digressing, <laughs> no, because these guys are nerding. We're out. talking about They're, important stuff, though. Yeah, we'll have a podcast on that later, which I think we already <laughs> talked about. So, your favorite rifle, your favorite hunt. Obviously, this rifle industry is taking you all over the world. It w- has. What's been your favorite hunt? Well. That, you know, and that's tough because there's 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 hunts that I look back on that are are incredibly valuable for me because of who I hunted with, right? There's there's people that I've hunted with that made it valuable. Um, I my my kids every time that I, I go hunting with okay, my so kids, it's amazing. It. Favorite hunts? Yes. Um, so a couple years ago, um, I was blessed that uh, John Nosler took me to Africa. And uh, I got to go hunt with him, and one of my best friends ever, John Snow, went with us. And so John and I—we've had John on this podcast I'd, before. We'll <laughs> probably have to have him back on with you. Yeah. Um, but you know, John's John's suspect. You know, he's. Uh, you he guys is, probably sat oh, around. Oh, he is and suspect. Drink, Trust drink me. wine <laughs> yeah. at night, oh, yeah. smoke cigars, <laughs> oh, yes. and I don't know if there was any wine, but he's there was texting a lot me right now, going suspect. <laughs> What the f- is that supposed yeah. to mean? <laughs> so that that was a that was a hunt that I'll I'll never forget. You know, being being there with with people I I, I truly cared about being with. Right. Um. In in a another country. Um. It was it was incredible. There there are memories that I'll never forget about that trip. Um. The uh, there was a trip I went. Uh, to Alaska with uh, my buddy Colorado Buck and I got to shoot a caribou that ended up being number 32 in the books wow. all time. Uh, it, it, it was amazing. It was Who it, had longer hair on the trip, you or Colorado? Uh, it definitely Colorado had the longer hair. Yeah, there was no question. Do you wear uh, a cowboy hat? Um, no, I did. I should, should have he, worn a cowboy does, hat. Does he condition his hair? Uh, well, 
I I would assume if I I, mean, I, I, just, I would I mean, if I had that. You know that Goldilocks hey, look. Does he condition it? Does he? Does I, he like? Perk I'll tell plus? you what. Let me tell you. With having no hair right now, I would love to have that hair. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it was uh, that was character. one of the. He is a character. He, I, I doubt I, it. You know that he conditions. Oh no, it? no, no! I think he conditions it. I don't. Think I think so. he brings perk, perk, perk. What, was, what was the stuff in the eighties? Should oh, I text him? Yeah. Hey, Colorado, yeah. do you condition your hair? Yeah, Prell. Prell. I would. I think he takes Prell Plus. I think it's all natural. It. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I digress. You're fine. I you know, if, trust me. If I had hair like so that, what I was, would condition. So it every what day. was the better part of that hunt? Uh, uh, hunting with um, Goldilocks, or or. Or killing the number 32 uh, caribou in the world. You know, honestly, um, it was. It, yes, I want honesty Co- here. Colorado, I want honesty. Be Colorado careful. Colorado is, is, is an awesome human being, and I had an incredible hunt with him. <laughs> but you know what made it uh, even just a funner trip all around? Is funner a word? It, it is, is for me. It is now because yeah. we just used it. Well, I could say much more gooder. <laughs> no, it, it's just that I've said funner before. And, ba- and, goes, Bailey, I, I think, and I mean, Bailey slaps him down. Oh, really? oh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Bailey. I, I think it was some ah. other pretentious doctor. Yeah. Um, but I she comes funner. by it naturally. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, yes. But what made it what made it incredible was Jess Beeman was our yeah. cameraman. So oh, so yeah, okay yeah. so was I, it Jess Beeman was it Goldilocks or was it the thirty two yeah, in the world? Right. It was that well the shot the it was the whole thing the whole it was such an incredible you know where we stayed we stayed at um, gosh dang it now I'm losing no my I don't so I was at Fred do Bear's you, cabin do you, do you know where it stayed Oh so you're an archery fan No but we stayed at his cabin <laughs> the cabin that he built uh, and it's in his book we stayed oh, at the cabin. Fred Bear Field Notes. Fred Bear Field Notes. No, I don't know what it is. But we huh. well, we cool. stayed at that, at that cabin. Uh, Joe Latart was our outfitter. You know, I was just looking at photos of that very same thing, putting the broadsheet together for next month, because I was doing research on Fred Bear. I saw that exact cabin. It was, uh, it was incredible. We should put it in there. Yeah, yeah hey. it was so cool. Okay, so that was your favorite hunt because you spent most time talking about that. And then your second Only was John Only because you drug, drug it out. No, I didn't drag it out. You've been dragging you it out. All I asked was did he condition his hair. Yeah, and then yes. you brought Jess Beeman into it, and it was like yeah. this holding hands but thing. And if I, I, know, if I was to say one of the, proud, you know, the proudest moments was uh, last year my son Cooper and I in Alaska uh, hunting moose, and he got to shoot his first moose, and that was – for me, it was it was amazing to be with him to do that. That is cool. It was incredible. We need to figure out how I can be bloodline. I don't need to to kill a moose, and I I might kill I might have killed my last moose ever. Um, maybe not, but I don't know. Um, I never want to pack another one. Well, so I always say God <laughs> invented horses after he packed his first elk out. You backpack a moose out, and then you oh, really man. want a horse. And then he yes, invented an indeed. Argo. <laughs> right. Yes, and then he invented an Argo. That's exactly what my son and I said. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, your favorite kill? Um, probably my favorite kill was uh, an elk that I shot in Montana. Um, it's a it's kind of an incredible story. Um, my It was opening day in Montana, opening of, of rifle season. At, uh, at our cabin, and my son Cooper and one of his buddies from high school were with me, and we had spotted a herd of elk on the top of a mountain, and I said, okay, well, let's go. we got to get up there. End of October, perfect weather, perfect yes. day, family was with you. Well, so my son and his buddy had seen some uh, white-tailed bucks that, that we had passed before we got to the spot where we were spotting up for the elk. And I said, let's go. We got to go up there. And they're like, oh, we don't really want to hike up there. We want to just go after these deer. And I was like, fine. And I grabbed my pack and I grabbed my gun and everything I needed. And I took off on my own. Oh, my gosh. And I hiked to the top of that mountain and got up to the top. I couldn't find where the elk were, where I'd spotted them. And I couldn't find them. And I was walking around the top of this huge saddle on the top. And I started smelling smoke. And I was like, what in the does somebody have a campfire? And as I kept going, it started getting smoky and started getting smokier. And I was like, what in the hell? Next thing I know, there's a forest fire. I'm right in the middle of a forest. There was probably 30 trees. It was probably 50 feet. Just everything's on fire. Oh, geez. And I was like, oh, my God. And so my hunt turned into a 
save the forest, right? And so I took all my stuff off, and it was everything. I It took me two and a half hours to put all the fires out. And up and down the trees, I'm putting everything out. I just, I was, sm- bl- you know, black you know, from People soot. die of, like, exposure to that. Yeah, and I'm just, my whole face is blackened. I just smell of smoke, and I was just, I was actually pissed off i was so mad i was i remember you know like uh, why did it start by somebody started it you think i it was a warming fire somebody started a fire up there and left the fire and took off and that just got away and wow and so i was kind of i was kind of upset at first and i put that fire out and and i'm standing there and i'm thinking really god you put me (laughs) this is why you showed me the elk so i would come up here and put this fire out and i thought all right well I did, I did what I thought was the right thing, and I said, okay, well, I'm going to head back down. And so I start heading back down the mountain, and I smell like <laughs> a forest fire. I am you know, can barely see. Uh, it's got so much soot and everything from the fires, and I'm walking down the mountain. I'm just mad, and I'm huffing and puffing, and I'm going down, and I look down a little ways, and I see this tree moving, and it stopped me. And it was maybe 75 yards, and it was on, I was on this ridge line walking down. And I stopped, and I thought, what in the – is the wind blowing? And I kind of stopped around. There was no wind, and I thought, huh, and I pulled up my binos, and I can see this tree moving. Well, it's not a tree. It's a rack, <laughs> and it is a huge rack. And it was one of those, oh, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> moments you know where you're just like i don't know what to do no way and you're in montana oh yeah and you have a tag oh yeah and you're ready to rock and it it took me everything to just calm down because it was he was in such thick trees all i could see was his horns and he was scraping up and down a tree and i kept thinking oh my god okay just settle down settle down calm down get your breathing relax and i went to get down to to get a a point to where i could see if i could see him through the trees and i couldn't see him And then it became one of those moments in your head. You're like, okay, I can't see his body. Do I I run down there and try to get a shot off? Do I sit and wait? If I sit and wait, is he going to go down and away and I'll miss him? There was so many questions. Your instincts had to take over. Oh, yeah. And and became a hunter in one second. You went from firefighter to hunter. Exactly. Boom. Just like that. And then, so it took me all of about probably five minutes to just calm myself down keep an eye on the rack see where it's at drop my pack get my gun and just kind of slither down through the the brush where i was at and i finally could see he was behind a group of trees and he was moving out and there was one there and this is where it's a god moment because there was one opening in the trees and there was a a ray of sun right there (laughs) It was all like, hey, dark hey, shadows, shoot me. but there was one ray of like, sun hey, right there. Hey, and dumbass, I, I showed you where the, uh, yes, um, uh, the elk were. Get up here, put this fire you out. You saved the fire. Mm-hmm. Now you're going down. <laughs> yep. You, you, you're, you're, you're pouting with your lip out. Mm-hmm. And, and now I'm going to take care of you. Yep. So thanks for trusting me, you douchebag. That's exactly and right. And he can have those conversations with you. Oh, he did. We yeah. were, I was laughing about it. So, okay, keep going. I, so I that you. ray of sunshine sitting there, and I could see his head walk through, and I could see his neck. And I had my crosshair sitting there, and I said, as soon as I see that dark part of his leg go forward, I'm. and as soon as I saw that, boom! And as soon as I fired, I could see his entire body. Because when it hit him, his entire body just shook, and it, you could. I was just like, "What caliber were you shooting?" Uh, three twenty-five short mag. Oh, so that's that was one of my questions. Oh, that's that's your favorite no, caliber? No, no, no it's that not. was what I we were using all the short mags back at the time, and I really, my my uh, but brother Dave, he and I were shooting the three twenty-five short mags. So. Okay, so anyway, go back to this. Yeah, we'll talk true. about so, this instead. That elk just shook, and he just went down and kind of went down and away, and I didn't see him, and I was just like. The emotions, just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what do I, you know, I'm going to run down there, grab my pack, grab my stuff, and ran down there, and he was he was laying, laying there. He had actually rolled down to a old logging road. Oh, oh Perfect. my gosh. Yeah, and I was, um, when I got down to him, I just, I, I was in awe. I sat there, and He's I looked at the thing. It was, it ended up being the, in Kalispell, Montana, there's a newspaper called the Daily Interlake. 
it ended up being when I came through the next day driving through the check station, I had to stop because it was in the back of my truck. And it'd be on the front cover of the Daily Interlake because there was a newspaper guy there. <laughs> took a picture <laughs> and it covered the entire back of my truck. It was huge. It ended up scoring 368 points. And it was 368 huge. inch bull for putting out a fire. Yeah, the, I don't. I think that was a little it bit is too the generous. Most mass, most mass of an elk I've ever wow. been around. It was just it's huge. No shit. Yeah, and it was so. Incredible. Let's call it 370. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Um, so you get a kill the 360. Okay, so that was it. So that was that to, was worth it for tune listening in today. I had I, to, I had to get on the radio and so call you my called son all your say, kids to hey, help pack yeah, out. Hey, son. <laughs> Did you find that? I said, did you find, find any white tail? He goes, no, they got away. I was like, oh, okay. Well, hey, listen, I need your help. And he's like, for what? To come pack out this monster elk I just shot. And he's like, <laughs> he's no like, way. No, you did. He's like, you, Dad. Yeah. And Dave Wisher still gives me uh, crap because he said, I got on the radio and I was just like nervous, like, Dave, Dave, I'm going to need your help. I think I just shot the biggest elk of my life. <laughs> and and uh, he and his son, uh, Aaron, were probably about 500 yards down the hill from me. And they were wow. Yeah. They no heard clue you shoot. I was even up there. They heard you shoot them. Yep. <laughs> that That's is funny. awesome. And he died on a logging trail. Yeah. It was the logging tail, uh, trail uh, connected to where you were, uh, uh, your camp was? No, it was it, it was a long way around. So we ended right. up having to, to quarter him up and pack him straight down to the road that I, the logging road that Better I Better than straight up. up. Oh man, was it better than straight up? That was wow. so big. So that that's awesome. Okay, so what's your favorite location to hunt? Oh, you know that's a good. I um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Montana, um, both eastern and western. Um, there's a there's a spot that uh, I like to hunt um, in eastern Montana that I just enjoy. I just enjoy being there. Uh, there's a spot down in southeastern Montana or southwestern Montana. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, where are you going this year? Right, that I enjoy very much. But um, so Montana boy, Montana. I am. It's it's. I love Montana. I've had some amazing experiences in Utah. Alaska is. Alaska has my heart. It does. I want to go back. Well, Alaska's a tough one back. not to be rated way up. If high I could go back that, every year it? to Alaska, I will. Have you hunted in the Alaska Range? Um, yes. I did. yes, I did. That's right. Yes. percent. Yeah. The, um, yeah. He's good buddies with a guy after we were in there, bought a rifle from him on his rifle company. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a cool place, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. I love it up there. It's, it's hard to, <coughs> hard to beat. Yeah. You know what? That's actually a really good point. Sometimes listeners will come in. Why didn't you guys mention more outfitters' names? Why don't you tell us more information from that? Because somebody just heard that and probably went. They're, they're, being, uh, anon they're keeping things anonymous from us. L listen, we have an agency model, much like a Century 21, and we put booking agents in business. And these guys make, um, they make money. They make their living. A lot of them make a handsome living. Uh, marketing, hunts, memberships, application services, rifles shooting academies and they're an outdoor resource for their communities and when we just disclose our relationships here it it, it erodes the integrity in protecting our advisors and their opportunity because people only natural go to the internet and say let me see that guy and the next thing you know they're calling and talking and boom 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 they book the hunt and they don't use the resources that we've built or that makes uh, us who we are today and so we protect that resource by having that anonymity um of wh who we're specifically mentioning and uh um and and so i just want to let you know that I, I don't mean to digress this uh and go into an infomercial for our opportunity but it is why we do what we do and i want you to know that because if you're listening to this and you go oh you know what i should then find a local advisor and uh, work with them we'd appreciate that they'd appreciate that and it helps us continue to support podcasts like this to bring you information and to bring um you know pinheads like uh jeff Seipin. <laughs> cheap insult <laughs> It's so nice yeah. having you here, Jeff. It is, yeah, because <laughs> you're not getting it. You know yes. it, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. Anyway, so so that's that. I, I like that. So yeah. your favorite caliber that was on my list too. So we got your so far. We've done your favorite hunts. We've done your favorite rifles, and you don't know if it's with John Nosler, Jess Beeman, Colorado Buck, um, or um, and you still. Well, haven't. I haven't been invited by my two good buddies. 
Brad and Brian yet. <laughs> they were supposed to take me to Jajikistan next month, but they're going to go on their own. I think that might be a, a, a bit of uh, a hyperbolization. Uh, supposed to take me. Supposed right. to. Um, what is right. the definition of supposed to? <laughs> exactly. But anyway, um, uh, moving on, um, you've digressed. Uh, your favorite caliber caliber um, cartridge yeah well you know it's it's changed uh just like rifle designs I, I think have changed um you know i was part of the whole big uh movement on the wsms when they first came out like the the 325 wsm was a big thing i liked it um when when i went the to the 325 wsm yeah it's just an eight millimeter short mag is what it is and it's it i i really liked it um the thing about it is when when an eight millimeter bullet hits a deer, it, or an elk, it's a deer. <laughs> it's going down. You just unplugged yourself. You know, oh it's, my gonna, gosh. it's going down. So I liked it. So um, not a six millimeter, not a seven millimeter, an but an eight. How tall are you? I got to be at least six two. Right? <laughs> okay, I just didn't know if you were no, compensating. I'm five, nine. For, yeah, I didn't know if you were compensating. It's, for um, <laughs> so I I well, and maybe that's it. Maybe I'm overcompensating <laughs> for something, but it's. <laughs> I uh, when I went to Nosler, I am. I'm. 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 I'm five. Because yeah, you were too. shooting a thirty-three Nosler a bunch, weren't you? The thirty-three became a a huge favorite of mine. I, I know. Every time I'd see you, oh, I got the thirty-three Nosler. I was like, geez, Louise, Jeff. Well, I well, love. Why that don't round. we just go with the four sixteen Rigby and call to, it good, right? I used to tell Pat Mundy and and John Nosler. I said that's that's the if we marketed that, would sell a lot more of those because it's such an amazing cartridge. I love the thirty-three. So the thirty-three is your favorite. Uh, I, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. So what's your favorite? Um, I'm having a drum I'm roll. Having a, yep. Right now I'm having a. Uh, I'm torn between the six five PRC and the seven PRC. I really, really love those two cartridges. The seven. Um, I I guess I, I really like the seven. I built my son a six five PRC a couple years ago. And the more I shoot that, the, every one of those rifles that we built in 6.5 PRC yeah. is so lights out accurate. I mean, I can't – it's almost hard to get one that's not a one-hole group. It's 6.5 like, is a happy place, isn't it? It is. It is. Now, and, and I love the 7, too. The 7's a happy place, it too. I, for but me, the 6.5 is like a happy, happy place. It's kind of like the 22-250 is, is inherently accurate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, could buy, you can buy a Ruger, a Browning, or a Remington – Take it to the range, and w if it was They're gonna the be twenty-two two fifty caliber yeah. back in the day, it was like that. That's a one-hole gun. Yeah, exactly. You know, and this six-five PRC seems to be in that same six-five six, five, general. Eighty-four, yeah, six-five six, Creedmoor, Creed Creed yeah, all of them. I mean, because yeah. I've shot thousands of rounds through that six-five two eighty-four, and it was just, it was. I mean, it's same deal. It's just a six-five. It's just really a really good accurate, caliber. Yeah. Well, and I, I look at uh, guys back in my my dad's age and even older that uh used to shoot the 264 wind, wind mag, mag yeah you know and and they loved it because it yeah, was so have, accurate we have a friend who yeah i, I don't know he, i yeah doesn't pat reader or not pat reader uh uh john john burns john oh yeah john John burns was the 264 yeah. what does reader that? shoot 284 284 yeah. yeah 284 so so that's interesting the prc revolution um hornady is really uh oh yeah they got a winner they got a winner <laughs> they do. you know it's it's funny the the whole uh and i would consider the the creedmoor lineup and the prc lineup to be the the new modern precision rifle cartridges right the, those right. those are the ones that um by design they are they just seem to be the most accurate well-designed cartridges um out there right now and and i i just think that how they were designed to to increase the the rifle life, optimize um, the efficiency of the whole exactly system. Exactly right. Yes, yep. and and I I just I become such a off huge fan of those cartridges. Excellent. So that that was actually uh, um, that wasn't as tough as you to, for you to answer as your favorite. Yeah, you sure choked on it for a with, while, uh, but you, um, you kind of spit <laughs> it no, out kinda, at the end. You kind of had an evolution, yeah. and it made sense to me. Eight yeah. millimeter, thirty three nozzlers, six. 5 PRC, 7 PRC, and you had good explanation. You still haven't had good explanation about Colorado Bucks Air, um, but uh, it's not that big a deal. Um, Someone's so, jealous of long hair. I think uh, so. I'm thinking I'm going to grow mine out. You should. It should just be white yeah. and gray. 
Um, I'd look like Streaks. my son's yeah. uh, buddy there from Minnesota that uh, that uh, is uh, – I'm a big Insta-famous guy. I forget his name. I'll think of it. You'd I'll bring it up. like the lead singer from ZZ Top. Oh, yeah, boom. We can let <laughs> yeah. it all grow out. Because so, I do have a lot of hair still, unlike you and Brad. I'm out. Yeah, I can't. So. If I grew my hair long, it'd be a skullet. <laughs> a skull. A skull. A skull. I got to remember that. Okay, so here's the next question for you. Who's your favorite person at uh, Rolling Bones Outdoors? Oh, that's easy. And me. Lindley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that, that is – yeah, because she cuts all the checks. That's right. And, and you two that's order right. away, and yeah. uh, no problem. <laughs> I, I love her. She cracks me up. Our, our text messages, I, she's got such good gifs. 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 Oh, you she guys. She sends all the time. I love, yeah. Is that what they're called? Gifs, gifs. Uh, so, well, that's good. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, um, and then and we, I mean, uh, uh, what are you most excited about for 2023 and 24? Well, 2023, you know, just launching this company and getting the, uh, the Badlands Precision University rolling is what I'm excited about. I'm, you know, the, the rifles we have, the LSR up and running now, it's going really well. Our next model that we are discussing uh, is is coming along fine. We're hoping to have that ready to start launching before 2024. Um, and getting the uh, shooting academies rolling uh, is really exciting. Like I, we're we're almost ready to launch it in Idaho. Um, we've got a few other things that we want to do. I'm working on getting it set up in Utah. Um, we still need to look at the other Montana location. Uh, but oh, the one on the Canadian border that's hard to get to? Uh, well, it's not on the Canadian border, but it's dead <laughs> central Montana, that's for sure. Yeah. It may as well be. It's Montana, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's um, – there's some there's some really cool things coming up with that, that that I'm really excited about. Like, I, I, I think that's one of the things that – like, we've talked about that that is the, the thing that's going to revolutionize our industry – is the education training and getting people the understanding of how to use the firearms to their most efficient capabilities. For sure. And uh, some of that, uh, that's rapidly been remodeled. Even the Mm -hmm. curriculum, the newer curriculums, just keeps being modified and and enhanced. One of the things I want to do, I was thinking of last night, one of the things I want to do with that university, because I'm so proud of um, what – what we started with chip and then what brad and i and lindley really where we took it does that make sense Mm -hmm. and now to have you come on board and this vision of the universities and the levels of academies um i'm super excited about that i have a passion for this adventure right and this adventure called life and I, I look around at all these bones in this place, right, and all these trophies. And the trophy's not Brad's giant moose or Dave Cooley's ram or that big Montana mule deer. The trophy to me is that the, the adventure, the camaraderie, the experience. Yeah. And all these experiences that surround us, right? And that's really what I want to provide and what that I believe Brad and I provided – with the shooting school and Lindley supporting it with the amazing meals and all the little details she had put into it. Mm-hmm. That was that experience. And now to take this to the next level is cr- crazy cool. Yeah. But what I really want to do is I really, really, really want to build that into our adventure base. So I was thinking this last night. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but all you listeners need to stay tuned because if you're a member and you've booked a hunt, we're going to work something out with Badlands University that there's a significant discount, maybe 50% to come to a shooting school. Does that make sense? Maybe 40%. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be significant because we want that experience to be a part of the overall experience because we know it's going to produce a better result and provide a better experience when you're in camp. Because when your outfitter says, can you make that shot? Yeah. And one day you say, "Ah, I don't know, maybe. Let's try it. And the next day – Try is out the door, maybe is a foregone conclusion, and yes, I can make that That's shot. Right. Um, let's do this. 
that creates a whole different experience. Correct. Does that make sense? Yep. And so not to steal what you were saying, but I'm excited about that too. Absolutely. Because I want every adventure seeker that we book a hunt with to have a gateway to be able to go to these universities. Right. And so we got to figure – with four of us need to get Lindley in a room and we need to figure this shit out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and that's really the biggest reason why we're doing these, right? I mean, how many how many outfitters have we talked to uh, that have had a client come up that can't make a shot that they needed to make? And if we're going to train those guys, that's why the outfitters are excited about it. Well, that's what Bradway says at the thing. Hey, you know what our outfitters tell us? Uh, um, trophy, a uh, uh, game acquisition, right? Target acquisition. Target acquisition. Can't find it. Number two, lack of ability to do it. And number three, not the right understanding of how to set up your own shot. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, we just got back from the Yukon. <coughs> we find a moose three and a half miles away, put it to bed. Go down there with a hope and a prayer. And we're sitting on the rim above tree line looking down to where he went in. And the outfitter, or the guide says to me, what do you think the odds of him coming out are? I said, 50-50. And he goes... Oh, wow, that's pretty safe. And I go, if he's a deer, 80%. If he acts like a white-tailed deer, we got 80% because it's pre-rut. He's in velvet. He ha- he's a creature of habit right now. He's found his jam, and he hasn't been spooked. This is and, his happy place. And this is his happy place. He's got all so kinds of food. The 20% is if he got bumped by a grizzly bear pack of wolves, something like that. Otherwise, it's 80. Why do I say 50-50? Yeah, because it happens, and we don't know which side of that 80. 20% of the time, it doesn't happen all the time, and 80% of the time, it happens all the time, right? So (laughs) we were sitting there. Oh, my gosh. We were sitting there. Statistics, right? Statistics, what the hell? So we're sitting there having this conversation, and we're laughing at each other. He's like, fuck, Ryan. And so we're sitting there, and then that three storms came through, lightning storms. And I was sitting up there going – um, uh, I looked at him and I go, 95 to 98% chance. The minute that clears, that sunshine comes on the backside, he's out. Because this rain has pushed everything down. Everything's hunkered down. These lightning storm, everything has. He hasn't been disturbed. And he's going to show up. It wasn't five minutes after that sun started coming out at 1030 at night, 10 o'clock at night, boom. That sucker showed up down there. We bailed off, and he took the typical guide rule. He led the way. He's like, let's go. And then he stopped, and he goes, what are we doing? I go, I'm following you. He goes, no, I'm following you. He goes, we're never getting down to him before dark. You're going to have to make this shot. You figure it out. And he made the right choice. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I just bailed, stop, bailed, stop, look, bailed, stop, boom, stop, 600 yards away. Oh, you're not supposed to say because remember he said, don't tell anybody how far he <laughs> shot him. <laughs> yeah, because I was shooting his six Creedmoor. Anyway, um, so <coughs> – excuse me. Anyway, um, the reason I say that is because that's what guides don't have is confidence in most of their people. To, and we want to build that in the hunters. Mm-hmm. We really do. Absolutely. Not just sell them a rifle for 10000 bucks. Not just sell them a rifle for $15,000. How about sell them an experience to learn how to use the tool they bought Correct. and, and go to town? No, and I, and I truly Am think Am I marketing our, this too hard? I think you're doing great. I think our, our customers <laughs> want that. They desire I, that. I, I, I just feel fun. like it's a passion. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not even it's, – it's like, can you – let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing makes me happier than when we're sitting on that range and a guy gets a belly laugh because he just shot – he took his pack and a pair of uh, hammers and sat his ass on a prairie right next to a cactus – and shot something at 12-inch oh, yeah. plate at 700 yards, and he went, I could have just killed a deer yeah. at 700 yards yep. sitting on my boat. Every one of those academies we did, we had people in, in the academies <laughs> that walked out of there going, this is so awesome. I feel so much better. Yeah. So I'm excited about that, too. I, I'm sorry. I just stole the show. So I didn't mean to do that. No, but I think you make a good point, Jeff. I think that's what people want. <laughs> They're investing in a rifle, Absolutely. and they want to have that ability to make that shot and then know about that 
how everything works, yep. why it was designed the way it was, yep. and have that confidence that, like in the situation where Brian just outlined, that you can do that. You can make that decision. You can make that judgment. Yep. You can make that shot. Yep. So many times I hear people uh, that miss a shot out hunting, and the first thing that people normally do is they want to blame the rifle, right? Oh, the rifle's off. The scope's off. The ammo's, you know, you know there's always some excuse. But once, it, once a guy goes through this academy, once they learn the weapon, once they learn the ammo, they learn the scope, they learn the ballistics, uh, they begin to understand, okay, yes. <laughs> it's the jerk on the yep. trigger. Well, I think you, you had mentioned it when we had that podcast about Badlands Precision University about, you know, basically you're taking the rifle out of the equation after a while. Correct. Because your skills are to the point where you become one with that weapon. That's right. And then it's you. It's the tool. Yep. You're, it's a tool and uh, it's the person learning how to use that tool. That yeah. Well, one of our outfitters in northern BC and he guides for Stone Sheep, which is one of the premier, you know, that's not an, that's not a cheap hunt. But he says... How many people come out with these expensive rifles that are not set up to go for 10 days on a horse? Yeah. And they get rattled loose. I mean, it's even as easy as that, having your equipment done, prepared properly and Mm -hmm. and ready for a wilderness hunt. He goes, he's got one of our rifles now. And he says, at least half the time I hand him my gun to shoot it with this. So they're on the struggle bus. Yep. Yo, I I remember... um, (laughs) <laughs> this is a maybe a little bit of a weird analogy, but I just thought of it. Um, years ago, we used to play in this um, uh, Amana VIP golf tournament down in Amana, Iowa. And they'd always Are we going to talk about golf now, please? Yeah, just for a second. We don't, we just don't for do a golf second. here. We, we do golf for <laughs> Great men. Ruination so, American family. So here was the thing. Golf. No, no, stick with me on this for a second, okay? okay. So um, they they assign you know members of the media, whatever, to it with one of the pro golfers. So we were playing in Tom Watson's foursome, right? Okay, so I'm like the worst golfer of the group, right? And so Watson says, here, why don't you take my 7-iron? Didn't help. Here's the thing. You could play with Tom Watson's clubs, the guy that's won the Masters, the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship. I could play with those clubs and have the same results I was getting with mine. Yeah. Because I don't have the skills that he has. It's the same way with with the rifle. 100%. You know, you could have that $10,000 rifle, but if you don't have the confidence and the skills to be able to use that thing right, you're going to have the same results you had before. That's right. That's why having a rifle company and a university are succinct. I mean, it, it's, 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 yep. it, it is absolutely the right choice. 100%. So I love it. Well, that's a great analogy. The first good golf analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> In my yeah. life, let's not bring and, let's uh, not bring golf into this but, too often. Uh, though. Uh, my my <laughs> little, it degrades the conversation. Lindley asked me if I was hey. okay the other day because both my boys, actually, my youngest doesn't like golf, but my oldest likes golf, and so I said Noah, um, who might now never be on a podcast again, thinking about it because he likes golf. But anyway, no, I'm teasing. He, uh, I said to him, I said, listen, if my boys like golf, well, well, I'll start golfing. I know how to hit a golf ball, hard and harder. Okay, um, that's how you hit a golf ball, hard and harder. And, and she's like, oh, my God. I said, and when we get to the uh, green, um, I'll just do something different, okay? <laughs> you would look a lot like John Daly, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I was just looking I'm at not your beard one, and I'm stuff. Not the short, I could see him with those I'm pink not the pants. One short yellow with a pot belly. Yellow oh, pants. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, big old flamboyant okay. shirt. Oh, and the oh, beard, geez. the white beard. All right. Anyway, um, don't ever question why I bust his ass, audience, please. All right. Um, You can come here for one day and you would know. So anyway, hey, in wrapping up, um, go to rollingbones.com because we're we're, we're done with this, right? After that. Do you have any more favorites? Oh, I got lots of favorites, oh, but okay. that, that drag on to another one. Well, we're actually going to do another podcast, just so everybody knows. So I'm not saying it's going to be consecutive to this, okay? But we are doing another podcast today. Um, uh, what makes a great rifle? What makes the caliber matching that a great rifle? Why um, we chose to do what we chose to do with our relationship and why you chose the first rifle to be the Gen 1. And then how we are different. So we're going to do that podcast um, I'll do question answers for Nerd 1 and Nerd 2 here, and uh, um, and we'll go from there. Does that okay, sound good? Matt. Sounds good. That'll be a good podcast. 
So stay 100%. tuned, listeners. But until next time, go to rollingbones.com. That's rollingbones.com. Check out our membership. We have a silver membership, a gold membership, and a platinum membership. All three of them have a unique service level. And uh, not one is bad and not one is better than the other one because they all offer an amazing opportunity for you to get involved in our ecosystem to ha- and our family to have you be served by uh, a concierge member here at the home office and deliver you your wants, needs, and desires from a hunting or fishing and adventure opportunity. Yes. And I might mention, too, that if you do sign up for a membership prior to September 1st, 2023, you only have a couple of days after hearing my voice right now. But if you do, you'll get entered in to win an awesome hunt experience with Greg Glessinger. Yeah, and that's a bonus hunt giveaway. It is. And then for everybody that doesn't know, if you're a gold and platinum or silver, every year we do gear and hunt giveaways to all our membership. As a membership benefit, you accumulate points from year to year. And uh, it's uh, up to it's actually uh, right at fifty thousand dollars worth of gear, rifles, uh, Badland universities, and um, hunting trips. So go ahead, go on over to our dashboard, click on join today, and uh, look at our memberships: uh, fifty dollars a year, one hundred and fifty dollars a year, or five hundred dollars a year. And it'll allow you to have your own customized dashboard where you can have access to over 1,200 vetted adventures, 600 vetted outfitters, and a heat map that's one of a kind in the industry that you can keep track of, see how many points you have, where you're at with all your applications, and um, have a current up-to-date status. It is a dynamic software that lives and breathes and updates itself every day to serve you service access value or to offer you service access value and education in the outdoor industry. That's rollingbones.com. Until next time, we appreciate you. This episode is brought to you by Badlands Rifle Company and Jeff Seid. $50,000 he paid today to be here. And um, we were happy wow. to take his money. Yeah, it was awesome. First time ever we've been sponsored. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now nah, I'm teasing. Uh, it, he didn't pay that. So anyway, until next time, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.